a public situation about what the things that I knew that was going on. None of my business. If the Lord says, let it ride, then you let it ride. And, and so are we excusing it or, or accepting it? No, we're not doing any of those things. But the Lord's merciful, isn't he? Uh, doesn't he know all of your secrets? <laughs> you want to publish everything, all of your secrets on Channel 5 News tonight? I don't think so, you know. So, um, But there's a balance, right? The balance is, you know, for me, the balance is, Lord, what do you want to do? That's really the balance is, Lord, what do you, if you want to say nothing about it, no problem, right? If you want to call them out publicly, you know, no problem, right? I, I think it's, it should be exceedingly rare that you call people out publicly because, you know, we should care about people. And, and some people, it would be really hard for them to overcome and recover from being called out publicly. But, you know, if they're doing something in a public forum, you know, then sometimes you've got to call them out in a public forum, right? But um, I, I got no rules or laws about any of that stuff. My rule and law is, Lord, what do you want to do? Uh, and if you want to do nothing, man, I'm good, right? If he wants to call them out, you know, um, then we call them out, right? Uh, you know, uh, I, there's been a lot of ministers I know. Dr. Dufresne was, uh, told stories of that. Jesse Duplantis told stories of that where they'd call people out and say, you two uh, married couples, you're swapping wives. You know, you don't need to do that in public, in a service, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how the surface recovers after that. You know, you know, you know, let's all bow and pray or something, I guess, after that. But, um, but you know, they were leadership and they were leaders in the church and everybody knew it was going on. Nobody wanted to do anything about it. And and, you know, you allow that kind of sin to get into a church. It'll destroy the spiritual aspect of that church. And, you know, nobody will ever get born again in a church like that, you know. And so uh, it's uh, but again, what if I knew somebody was in adultery right now? Well, what's the answer? Well, it depends. Lord, what do you want to do, right? If he wants to do nothing and, and uh, keeps on, keep on working on them and um, try to recover them with some mercy and grace, because uh, what does Galatians 6, 1 say? Uh, if you find your brother in a fault, you which are spiritual, do what? Restore, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Meekness looking to who? Yourself, lest you also be tempted, right? So the goal, and uh, if, if anybody is aware of somebody else's sin, is to restore them, right? Not to punish them, not to rebuke them, not to uh, publicly chastise them. It's to restore them, amen? And if that's not your heart, then I would encourage you, don't get involved, right? If your heart is not to restore, then don't get involved because you will find yourself on the other end of that same temptation. You'll wake up one day wondering why you're involved in the exact same sin that you just uh, rebuke somebody else strongly about being involved in that. And that, you know, that's why, I, uh, uh, for me, when, when people get caught in sin, it's always interesting what people say, right? I mean, just recently, you know, we heard about uh, one particular well-known minister caught in some sin. Yeah. And it's amazing how harsh people will be. Oh, I can't believe that. It's like, you know, you need to be really careful. You need to be really careful because uh, who art thou that judges other than the man's servant is what Romans 14 says, right? Uh, are we their judge? Do you know what they've been going through? I mean, we're not excusing the sin and we're not saying it's okay, right? Well, we, you know, sin is sin. We can say, well, that's sin. Uh, but then to be harsh and, and then uh, go beyond the uh, beyond the recognition of sin into the judgment of the sin. See, we're not the judge of the earth. Who's the judge of the earth? The Lord God is right. And he said, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? In other words, who's passing judgment upon them and say, well, you know, they, they don't even deserve to be in a ministry. Really? I mean, Paul persecuted the church. Many people died because of the things he did. Uh, and yet the Lord called him into the ministry. Um, and so... I'm not excusing anything. We don't excuse sin at all, you know, but um, um, I always say that I am no man's judge. The Lord is plenty capable of judging things. And if somebody asks me, is this wrong? I could say, well, yeah, that's right. Based on what the word says, that's right. That's right. Or that's wrong. 
But if it's something like, like a gray area, right? You know, don't you think they're eating too much food? I don't know. Am I measuring their food every night? Do I, do I have a scale? And I mean, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of things that none of my business, but, uh, you know, um, and so I don't know how we got off on all that, but um, how do we get off starting on all that? It's, 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 uh, we're, um, it's, it's Chris's fault. We're going to blame her. So, uh, but, um, but anyway, it's still good. Amen. And so we don't want to be involved in things that we don't need to be involved with. Amen. We want to be involved with the uh, the word of God and teaching the word of God. And um, I always I, I would encourage you, um, especially in the area of, well, of any ministers. Right. Just be really careful about standing in judgment over ministers. Right. I know we know the stories with. Um, um, uh, I mean, it's been a long time ago with, with uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Swaggart. Right. And, and um, who's the fellow over PTL? Um, Jim, Jim Baker. Right. Uh, and, you know, those are public uh, meltdowns of great sin. Right. Uh, and, um, but am I mad at them? Or do I hold any ill, ill will towards them? I mean, why would I hold ill will towards them? They've not done anything to me, right? And, um, and really, from my perspective, uh, my goal is to teach you all about the Holy Ghost so that you know the Holy Ghost, so that nothing I do, right or wrong, would fool you. And I think, uh, really, a, a part of the problem is where so many people get, get, uh, um, uh, disenfranchised from the church because of what some minister did or what some pastor did or what some uh, prophet or other minister did it's really shows a failure on their part to not be aware of the spirit of god because you should be able to see you've got the spirit of god in you don't you right uh, i mean and if there was an issue with my life that would be a concern to you from the lord's perspective he would show you that i believe he would show you that if you're listening to the spirit of god because you've got the same spirit of god in you that i do you get the same spirit of god in you that jesus did so really, part of it, not, not all of it, obviously, but part of it is a failure in the church to not be more spiritually aware. We live in the New Testament. We don't live in the Old Testament, right? Old Testament, whatever the man in front says, you got to do, right? New Testament, whatever the man says in front, as long as it lines up with the Word of God and lines up with the Spirit of God, then you got to do that, right? But, um, but those are the two big things. Of course, Old Testament, you still had to, had to follow the Word of God. You know, it wasn't absolute, but, but we have better situation today with the church that you all have the Spirit of God in you. Amen. Uh, and so, and it should be very difficult for anybody in the church to be snookered by anybody in the ministry. Amen. Uh, does it happen? It happens every day, right? But I know a lot of people who won't go to church. I don't go to church, you know, because, you know, this pastor, that pastor, something happens, you know. It's like, well, you know, that's, uh, you're still responsible. Amen. You don't get a buy from the will of God just because somebody else did something wrong. Uh, is it the will of God to go to church? Absolutely. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, right? And, of course, who, who created the church? The Lord Jesus did, right? He created the church. So I think if he created the church, he wants us to go to church, right? Uh, and so uh, have bad things happened from, from the pulpit? Absolutely, right? Oh, we got started us because of the pulpit, right? And so uh, that's how we started all this stuff, right? Uh, it's, uh, so it wasn't your fault, so, um, but, uh, so I'll take all that back, right? But... Um, uh, but, um, you know, terrible things have been done in the, in the pulpit to two people and, and, um, uh, and caused a lot of harm to people. That doesn't change the reality that there's, you know, vast majority of ministers are good, kind people just trying to do the will of God. Right. And I think the vast majority of Christians are just good, kind people trying to do the will of God. Right. I mean, the biggest problem you have in the church, 5% or less of the church is a problem. Of course, they end up being 95% of your energy because of the 5% of the people, but, uh, but, you know, that's part of the job, right? That's just, uh, and so, 
Uh, I know a lot of ministers, when we got into the ministry, we talked to several pastors, right, about, hey, we're, uh, we believe God has instructed us to start a church and uh, just, you know, get some thoughts on you. And almost without exception, they were all, I would never do that. I, I'm sorry that you're doing that. You know, it's the worst thing ever. I would never go into ministry if I had to do it again. And, you know, I'm thinking that's, that's really, to me, that's really sad because the, the happiest you'll ever be is in the perfect will of God. Uh, and if you're not happy in the ministry, you know, I'd have to question, were you ever in the will of God to begin with? Now, I don't know. I'm not anybody's judge, right? I don't know. But if you're telling me you've been in a ministry for 20 years and you've hated it for, for 19 and a half years, you know, I'd have to question whether you're really in the will of God, because I love being a pastor. You know, have I had uh, terrible things said to me? Absolutely. I mean, accused of every manner of evil? Absolutely. Right. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't hinder me a second uh, because it's only one or two people, you know, in, in the, you know, we've been ministering now for uh, 14 years as pastors. And, um, you know, it's, it's on one hand of people that were that unkind to us, right? Now, they make up for the, all the other people we know, right? I mean, they're, they actually, you know, they're, they're worth, you know, about 50 or 100 uh, uh, unkind people, right? Because they're so mean about everything. But still, that, is that going to dissuade me from being in the, in the will of God? I mean, because... I've got to be in the will of God. If I want the best of the Lord, I've got to be in his will. Amen. Uh, so, I, you know, I love, I love teaching the word. I love helping people. I love praying for the sick. I love doing the will of God. And um, we we'll just keep on keeping on. Amen. Uh, and so why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And we thank you, Father, for blessing us and being good to us. And, Father, we thank you that your spirit reveals and instructs and teaches us uh, your word each and every day. We depend upon him. He's the great teacher, Father. And we are the great humble students before you. So, Father, we rely upon the Spirit of God. And we come to you humbly, Father, with open hearts, Father, receptive minds. And we receive of your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 1. We'll get started there today. You know, many years ago, the Lord kind of directed us to uh, kind of change our services, and so we've kind of have uh, settled in that Wednesday nights are our verse-by-verse -verse nights, right? And um, I'm really hoping that uh, the Lord tarries for about another thousand years because it's going to take us a long time to get through the whole New Testament, right? But at this rate, but um, uh, I, I like doing verse-by-verse -verse because you're kind of required to look at verses that you don't, you know, a lot of times you look over and go, wow. Somebody should figure out what that means, right? And you go on, you don't even, you know. And so it, it's good to have to dig in some things and, and look at some things here. So, uh, so we, we finished up with the fruits of righteousness last week. And, you know, the Lord desires for us as his children to bear fruit, right? Uh, and so, and we can bear a lot of fruit. Parts of the fruit really is born of righteousness. But, uh, and, and we're not going to go a lot. We could go and talk about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, a lot of things. But one thing about fruit that you've got to understand is fruit is a byproduct, right? Fruit, uh, if you look at a fruit tree, right? Fruit is a byproduct of some prior action, right? So, so you've got the flowers on the trees and what, what do the bees do with the flowers? They go and, and, and they do their thing, right? They pollinate the flowers, right? Or they pull the, the uh, uh, flowers. I guess they get the pollen from the flowers. Where, however it works, right? I guess I'm missing my biology class from, from high school there. But if the bees don't do their job, there's no fruit, right? So if you put a, a tree in a bubble, and don't allow bees to get to it, there will never be any fruit, right? Because there's no prior action that produces the fruit. 
Uh, and so the fruit is not born by you breathing air over a long period of time. Fruit is born by you living a life of faith, and your life of faith produces fruit in your life. So fruit doesn't come about just by age and by being around a long time and going to church and, and getting uh, boxes checked. Fruit is produced by a prior action of faith. When you choose to walk in faith, that produces fruit in your life, right? And if you go through, uh, we've gone through the nine uh, fruits of the Spirit before and showed how each one of those uh, where, uh, uh, for example, uh, the peace of God, right? Love, joy, peace is, is, peace is a fruit of, the, uh, fruit of the Spirit. Well, if you go to Philippians 4, 6, and we'll get there eventually, right? I mean, we're in chapter 1 now, so we'll get to chapter 4, you know, six or seven years, I'm sure. And so, but uh, in Philippians, it says, uh, in fact, we'll just go over there real quick because I just want to show you, uh, to give you an understanding about that. But he says here uh, in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And of course, the Amplified uh, of that says, do not fret to have any anxiety about anything. So how many things is it okay to worry about? None, right? Well, you just can't help worrying. Uh, that's not what my Bible, my Bible says, do not fret to have any anxiety about what? Anything. anything. Well, uh, well, you know, except for your kids. Uh, I think kids are in anything, aren't they, right? Except for your job. Well, I think that's part of anything. What about the economy? I think that's included in everything, right? What about COVID-19, 2021, 20, 22? It's all included, right? I mean, do not fret to have any anxiety about what? Anything. So can you literally live a life without worry? Absolutely, right? Uh, and I do my very best to, to, to not worry about anything. I'm just not going to worry. Well, what about kids? Well, I mean, that's always a, you know, a great one because they, they think, well, I got you there. Nope, ain't got me there. Because, I mean, either your kids are greater than the Word of God or, or not, right? Uh, but he says, but he didn't say that there are no cares in the world. He said, uh, uh, be careful or worried or fret, fretful, anxious about anything. But if there is anything there, then what should you do? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So, Lord, I've asked for this thing, and now I'm thankful that you're going to do this thing, right? Help my child, you know, uh, get me a good job, take care of my cat, my dog, or whatever it is. Uh, uh, once you've done that, now with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, it, we don't... Take this separate from the rest of the word of God. If you make a request to God, what's your expectation? That he answers your request, right? It's not just, well, I asked him, but he's probably going to say no. Well, we don't have time to go into all that. If you ask in faith, what's the answer? Yes. yes. What's always the answer? Yes. The answer is always yes. It is ever no. Not if it's in faith. It's always yes. Yes, right? Uh, what does 2 Corinthians one twenty say? That all the promises of God are in him what? Yes. yes. And in him what? Amen. And what's the last part? Unto the glory of who? God by us. So by you receiving the promise of God, you bring glory to God. So all the promises of God are yes. So, um, so once you make your request known, so, so you've got something that's a concern to you, right? A valid concern, right? Kids are a concern. Health is a concern. Jobs are concerns. Those are all real valid things that we deal with, right? But then you make a request. Lord, this is a thing. I need some assistance here, whatever that assistance is. Uh, and now that I've asked, Lord, I thank you that you'll provide that assistance to me. Now that you've done that and, uh, and you've thanked him for it, then what's the fruit of that action? What's verse 7 say? 
And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Not just your heart, but also what? Your mind, because where do you worry? In your mind, right? And so you have the, the capacity to live a life completely in peace. But it's a fruit. It's a byproduct. You don't pray for peace directly. Lord, Lord, give me peace. He didn't say pray for peace. He said pray and peace will come about as a result of your prayer, right? So peace is a fruit, a byproduct of some prior action. And so, and all the fruits of the Spirit are that way. So none of them are, are standalone. Well, Lord, give me love. He gave you love. Your, the prior fruit was to get born again, right? He says in Romans 5, 5, that we have the love of God shed abroad on our hearts by the Holy Ghost that was given to us. So we have the prior action was the faith of being born again. Now we have a portion of love. We can grow into love and, be, and multiply like we read earlier in, in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, but all of the fruit is a byproduct of you living by faith. That's why, you know, you look at a Christian and they've been in a church for two years. Man, Lord, they're at peace. They're full of joy. They're walking in love. How's that even possible? And you got, you know, Sister Duda that have been in a church for 120 years and she's mean as a snake, right? And just ornery and, cr- and crotchety and just, I mean, what's wrong with her, right? I mean, she's been in church since dirt and this guy just showed up, you know, and he's just this wonderful Christian, right? Well, why, why is that? Well, one person's walking in faith and producing fruit. One person's like, you know, if God wants to give me fruit, he'll give it to me, you know, and, and, and just in ornery about it, right? But see, the peace will come as a result of you doing something in faith. So the fruits of righteousness is you have to choose by faith to live in, in righteousness, right? You have to choose to live that way. doesn't happen automatically. God's not going to force you to do it. Uh, it's a smart thing to do, right? Because if you get the fruits of righteousness... Uh, you know, that's really all the things that God has, ble- has promised you, right? That's a pretty good deal, right? Uh, and so I'd always recommend people walk in righteousness and, and um, oh, you're Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's funny because people, people that want to live in sin in the church, you know, they always look at, uh, at other people in the church and go, well, you're just trying to be a Goody Two-Shoes, right? And, and it's like, no, I just, I just love the Lord. It, it's not, I'm not trying to not do those bad things, I'm trying to love the Lord. And that fruit of that will just not, uh, that desire to do those things is just not there, right? It just, it's not there. It's not that I'm suppressing it. And in fact, I, w- I was talking to uh, uh, someone earlier uh, and was talking about how, um, uh, you know, ministers, especially ministers, you know, it's been my observation that as they get older in the Lord, you know, some of them just, uh, grow old with grace and kindness and, and, be, and, and they're just the sweetest people, nicest people you'll ever meet as they get older. And some of them are just the meanest, you know, hatefulest people, you know, and, and so well, you know, why is that, right? Uh, and, uh, and it's the same thing that uh, sometimes when, sometimes uh, even in their older age, they'll get sick, right? And, and they'll lose the ability to, you know, think clearly. And, and even in that though, some of them are just the sweetest and kindest people. And then some of them would just cuss, I mean, just, I mean, just mean and ornery and mean to the doctors and nurses. And, uh, and it goes back to when they, were, when they were in their earlier years, instead of desiring to produce the fruits of righteousness and walk by faith, they were trained to suppress and hide their flesh as opposed to getting rid of Paul said, put off the old man, right? He didn't say hide him and cover him up so that nobody can see him, right? Because someday you might want to pull him out and... You know, and, and, and uh, take care of a situation, you know, don't don't make me pull out the old man, you know, because uh, some people like to keep the old man in the back pocket just in case. Right. I mean, you know, 
don't make me angry, right? What's that guy on TV? Don't, you know, who wouldn't like me when I'm angry, right? You know, and, and so they, that's the kind of, that's like, they want to do that, right? They want that, that option. But then what they should have been doing is just getting rid of the old man. So that uh, if for some reason, you know, and I believe God, I'll live in, in health all the days of my life. But if for some reason you were, you know, constrained or, you, you know, you, you couldn't uh, operate in your normal faculties as well as you could have. That what comes out is what's in on the inside of you. Kindness and mercy and goodness and, and fruits of righteousness. Instead of the old man you've been suppressing and hiding for all these years, right? And so, uh, so don't hide him. Bury him. Get rid of him, right? Uh, throw him out of your life. Uh, he doesn't belong there anymore. Amen? Uh, and so uh, he says, and it, and it pr- produces glory and praise of God. You see, your fruits of righteousness bring glory and praise to God, right? Uh, and so... Then he gets down to verse 12 and he says, but I, I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. And the Amplified says, now I want you to know, believers, that what has happened to me, this imprisonment that was meant to stop me, has actually served to advance in the spread of the good news regarding salvation. So, you know, uh, where, where is Paul when he's writing the book of Philippians? He's in prison, right? And, and uh, as far as we know, that, uh, that these type of prisoners had a Roman centurion, uh, or not a Roman centurion, but a soldier, uh, chained to them, right? So they were, you know, uh, they were chained to a Roman soldier of some kind everywhere they went. And so a lot of times they would be, if they were a Roman citizen, which Paul was, they would be under house arrest. So they wouldn't be in a prison necessarily. Sometimes they'd be in a house, but they'd still have to have uh, a Roman soldier chained to him 24 hours a day, which make it really awkward to take a shower, right? You know, eat or, you know, brush your teeth, you know? I mean, it'd be, you know, hey, hey I'll brush the right side, you brush the left side, I don't know, right? But um, um, it'd make it kind of awkward. Uh, and so, so he, he's in, in prison right now and, and writing. In fact, you know, many of the epistles that Paul wrote came during his time of imprisonment. And, and uh, did God put him in prison? No, I don't believe God put him in prison, but uh, there, there is, there is a, a school of thought that Paul had gotten out of the will of God, which is what allowed him to be captured and put in the prison. Uh, and so, therefore, he was out of the will of God. But, you know, I, I don't, and we're going to look at some verses because that doesn't really settle my heart because um, Paul was in prison because he was preaching the gospel, right? Uh, now, I know if you go back all the way to like Joseph, uh, I know someone one time said, uh, you know, did, did God allow Joseph to go through all these things? Remember, Joseph had the prophecies, right? Told his brothers that they're going to that they're going to worship him or bow down to him. And even his dad, right, Jacob, uh, that he was going to bow down and worship him. Right. Uh, and uh, then, of course, they threw him in a pit. He got uh, then sold into slavery. Right. And then got put in prison. And, and, and finally, eventually, he ended up at, at the. Uh, right hand of Pharaoh. Uh, and, and, uh, but I don't believe that Joseph was, that any of those bad things happened because uh, that was God's desire and will. Of course, I'm, persecution is never God's desire and will, but uh, I believe Joseph was out of the will of God because did God tell Joseph to go tell his brothers that, the, that they were going to serve him? No, I mean, in fact, that would be the dumbest thing in the world. If you're the young, one of the youngest ones, he wasn't the youngest, but he was one of the youngest ones. Hey, you all going to serve me? <laughs> yeah, right. I am actually the youngest in my family. I, you know, I, I would have gotten beat up many times if I told my brothers and sisters that, you know, uh, they wouldn't even bother selling me. They just beat me up right there and go on. And, and so. Uh, so, you know, uh, Joseph 
fell into that trap by his own doing, right? I believe it was 100% his own doing, had nothing to do with God. And in spite of those things, God managed to get him to, to Pharaoh because all he had to do was just uh, not say anything. And then when he heard that Pharaoh had a dream, because things like that would be spread like wildfire, right? He could have written Pharaoh a letter. Hey, I can interpret your dream at home, right? On the couch, uh, still in the good graces of his family. He could have done that and then still been hired as number two fellow in Egypt, right? Uh, and so... But in this case, Paul was persecuted because of his walk with the Lord. And so I wanted to go through some scriptures to, to just uh, settle that, uh, because I don't believe Paul was out of the will of God, because the Lord spoke to him many times. He never said, you're out of my will. You know, he never implied that he was out of the will of God in anything. So let's go back to the book of Acts, and we'll look at a few scriptures here. And there's one scripture in particular that, you know, I had to kind of dig around, because it doesn't seem to fit with the other, other verses, and so sometimes... You've got to dig a little bit to, to see how these things fit together. So let's start in, uh, in Acts chapter 20, uh, and we'll go down to um, um, verse 22. So this, this is Paul. Uh, he's there on the shore at Ephesus, uh, and, he's, and he's talking to the elders, right? In fact, uh, let, let's just back up to verse 13. And it says, And we went before to ship and sailed unto uh, Asus there, intending to take in Paul for so had he appointed, minding himself to go afoot. And when he had met with us at Asus, uh, uh, we took him in and came to uh, Mytilene. Uh, and we sailed thence and came the next day over to uh, Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried uh, at Troglid. Well, I should have read all these things before we got here, right? Uh, wherever they ended up at. The next day they came to Miletus. And for Paul had determined to sail to Ephesus. So you remember in previous chapters he'd already been to Ephesus prayed for the uh, people at Ephesus there were 12 believers there they got baptized with the Holy Ghost they spoke with other tongues they prophesied uh, and so he he had a fondness for uh, Ephesus right and so he was he was determined to, to sail by Ephesus uh, because he would not spend the time in Asia and he for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost so this is many years, right? Because Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2. So this is Acts chapter 20. So this is 18, 20 years after Pentecost, right? And so they still celebrated it. And he was a Jew. And of course, it was one of the seven high uh, festivals of uh, feasts of, of Israel. And, and even as a Christian, you know, I'm sure he enjoyed the, the celebration of it and, and the advancement of the kingdom of God because of the, the uh, uh, dispensation of the Holy Ghost that was given there. And so that's his goal, right? He, he's up in Asia. Uh, so he's up on the north side of the Mediterranean Sea. He's trying to get over to Ephesus, which is kind of still on the north side of the Mediterranean Sea, but most more on the east side of that. And then, then uh, uh, if you keep on sailing uh, east and then head a little south, Israel's on the east coast of the Mediterranean Sea, right? So Paul, all of his journeys were pretty much on the Mediterranean Sea, either on the north side or on the... On the uh, east side of the Mediterranean Sea. So that's where he's headed, right? He's trying to get, uh, he's wherever he's at, you know, kind of in, in uh, the Greece area or, or in um, uh, Miletus there, in, uh, which is where Philippi was. And he's heading east. Uh, he's going to pass by Ephesus and wave hi to everybody and keep on sailing east, eventually get to, to Israel. So that's his goal. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get to Israel uh, by Pentecost. Uh, and so from Miletus in verse 17, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So Ephesus 
uh, is not on the coast. So they had to, had to come down uh, from uh, Ephesus down to the coast where his ship was at. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I've been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept nothing, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what Paul did, right, when he was in, in Ephesus and he, he spent uh, some time there. And says, and now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto, unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save or except that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me or await me. So wherever he's been, right, all the different cities that he's been, either the Lord speaks to him directly or he speaks to him through other people that, hey, when you go to Jerusalem, bonds and afflictions await you, right? You're going to get captured. You're going to be afflicted. Uh, you're going to be in, con uh, in constraints of some kind. Uh, and so is he aware of that? Does he know that's going to happen? Well, sure, because he said that. So there wasn't just one time, right? This was multiple times that uh, people have said this to him. The Spirit of God has said this to him. Uh, and, uh, but what does he say in verse 24? But none of these things move me. You know, that, that is one of the greatest statements of the word of God. None of these things move me. How many, thing, how many things in your life move you? You're right here. All is well. And, you know, the temperature drops three degrees. And you're like, oh, I can't handle it. You know, my life is over. And well, now what have you done? You've moved, right? Uh, you, you, you get to the red light and it turns red like, you know, and you get mad because the guy in front of you slowed down instead of going and speeding up because the, the, the yellow lights are there to speed up, right? That's what they're there right for, right? You see a yellow light and you speed up. That's right. And did you learn that in driver's ed, right? Green, go. Yellow is accelerate and red is stop, right? I mean, that's, that's the way it's supposed to work, right? And the guy, he didn't get that memo, right? He's yellow light and he slows down. Like, what's wrong with you, right? So what happened? You got moved because the guy in front of you uh, you know, took a different class in high school than you did, right? Uh, obviously the wrong class, right? Uh, and so, so none, none of these things move me. Now see, this isn't something that has already happened to him. This is things that he knows is going to happen to him that hasn't happened yet. I mean, if you knew all those things were going to happen, what would you do? I ain't going to Jerusalem, right? If you knew all the terrible things that Paul was going to experience from the time he was captured in Jerusalem until the time that he was eventually martyred in Rome, you know, many years later, um, would you would you do that? Would you sign up for that if you knew that was going to happen? Well, uh, you know, how many things move us after the fact, right? Um, so, but none of these things move me. I love that statement. None of these, I, I should be exactly the same before, during, and after an event. Amen. What if someone calls me a bad name? Well, I was happy until then, you know. Uh, or, you know, you may be mad. I always love that one, right? You may be mad. Is that a biblical statement? Is that biblically true? Nobody can actually make you mad. You can choose to get mad, but nobody can actually make you mad, right? I mean, how they, they, you got a button that you push? I mean, I know people say, oh, you push my buttons, right? But you know there's really no buttons, right? You can choose to get mad or choose not to get mad, right? Uh, and and that one, to me, that's one of the greatest things ever, right? If you really believe that, which is true, then because um, none of these things move me, right? Well, you know, my wife burned the biscuits, you know. I was happy until she burned the biscuits. Well, 
then you got moved. A biscuit moved you, right? Now you think about standing before the Lord and he goes, why'd you, why'd you get moved? Well, she burned a biscuit. So a biscuit moved you, right? Uh, he's probably going to start laughing at you about that. Hey, 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 Gabriel, come here. Listen to the story. Right? Tell, me, tell me again. You got mad because of what? A biscuit? He got mad because of a biscuit. Can you believe that? You know? uh, now, I don't know if he'll do that or not, but if it was me, if I was the Lord Jesus, I'd probably laugh at you for getting mad at a biscuit, right? Uh, but how many people got mad at biscuits, right? You know, I can't believe you burn. I work my fingers in a bone all day long, and all you do is burn my biscuits, you know? Uh, none, of these things, none of these things move me, right? Yeah. And if Christians could learn to not be moved, right? I mean, I, we all move, right? We should all be moving forward. Remember, Jesus, when he was on the way to Jerusalem, stopped in, in, uh, there in, in Samaria, and they got mad at him. Uh, why? Because he, I've, got a, I've got my face set like flint to Jerusalem. I, I'm, I'm moving forward. I gotta go, that's, where my, I'm, that's where I'm going right there. Well, I need you to move. I need you to come over here and stop me. No, I've got to go. And they got mad at him, right? Some people get mad because you won't be moved. You ever had people get mad? You know, one of the th- things that... People get the maddest at me the most because I laugh. You know, people say something and I'll just laugh about it. You know, they, you know, I, I, you know my, my car exploded. And I'm like, wow, did you make it out alive? Yeah, well, isn't that great? You know, you're alive. You know, and they, what's wrong with you? You're alive. Why aren't you full of joy, right? Uh, and uh, or people get uh, say the most unkind, unkind things to me and I'll just start laughing because God's on the throne. Uh, and, and you want to get some people mad at you? I mean, just have, be full of joy, even in the midst of it. You know, I mean, uh, it's, really a great, uh, it's really a great tool, right? Because if, if I can start being in joy, I'm not going to be moved by what they've said, right? Uh, and so, but none, none of these things move me. So we want to be the same before we get information, the same while we're being given information. You know, people call, call me uh, all the time, say, I've got some good news and bad news. You ever hear that? And, you know, I always say, right, I said, there's neither good news or bad news. It's just news. And if I decide for it to move me, then it's bad news. But if it's not going to move me, then it's just news. It's just information. It's not good. It's not bad news. I got a bad report from the doctor. It's not a bad report. It's just a report. If you choose to make it a bad report, it's a bad report. But, you know, I, I've got, you know, whatever. I've, I've got, uh, you know, uh, some horrible itch now, you know, and, and OK, well, can the Lord not heal that? then why is it bad news? I mean, it's just news, right? If the Lord can heal, then why is it bad news? It's just news, amen? Because if it's bad news, now you've moved from being okay over here to now you're in the bad, mood, in the bad news department. Uh, and so none, none of these things move me. So, so what should move you? I haven't found anything on this earth that's, that's worthy to be moved, have you? You haven't met my wife, you know? Uh, like, well, you know, it's, uh, um, I mean, people will make excuses for things all the time, amen? Uh, and, and it never ceases to amaze me how, how often Christians live by excuse. Well, I couldn't help it. Well, they made me mad. Well, you know, I, you know I, I'm just that way. And it's just excuse, 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 right? Uh, and, and the thing is, the, the thing you've got to appreciate, and if you could really get this settled in your heart, uh, I got the settle in my heart many years ago, and now it, it's if I say anything in my, just out of my own mouth that excuses my poor actions of faith or you know sin or whatever, it's like it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Uh, because see, I think long term. I'm always thinking long term, and I think to the day I've got to stand before the Lord Jesus. That that day. I mean, it's so big in my heart. I think of that. I mean, it's probably every day I think about someday I've got to stand before the Lord Jesus. And he's going to ask me about burned biscuits. 
and yellow lights and, you know, and, and getting mad because of this and getting mad because of that. He's going to ask because he said he's going to judge us for every deed done in the body, right? Both what? Good and what? And bad. He's going to ask you about it, right? I know it's under his blood. I know he's forgiven. He's, but he said he's still going to say something about it, right? Judge you for every deed you've done in the body, both good and bad. So he's got to bring it up somehow, right? And how many times did people try to get by with Jesus with an excuse? All the time. How many times were they ever successful? Never. Not a single time. Never. You know, the, the man with the talents, right? The man that got a, got a new cow. The man who just got married, right? I mean, just uh, the, 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 uh, the virgin daughters, the virgin uh, women there, you know, and that, that parable. You know, some of them are parables. Some of them are real stories, right? But w- whether it's a parable or a real story, everybody, he tried to come up with an excuse, right? I mean, it started, who, who started the first excuse? Adam, right? And then who's the second one? Then Eve, right? Did, it, did they get by with it? Did the Lord go, you know, you're right. That serpent, I mean, he's so wily. I mean, I, he, just, he just fooled you. We'll just, we'll just call it even, right? We'll just, no problem. We'll move on. Did the Lord do that? No. So has, has there ever been an excuse that's worked with the Lord? See, I think about that. I think if I do this thing and I stand before the Lord, he's going to ask me about that. What's my answer going to be? Well, Lord, they may be mad. He'll be like, because you know, and I'll be like, well, Lord, what's that? He's, I'm waiting for you to give me a right answer, right? I'm waiting for you to give me the correct answer. Because they may be mad is not the correct answer, right? You remember, you remember Elijah there? After he ran, uh, uh, you know, outran the chariot. And then, and then I mean, he just did a, a, an amazing miracle, right? Uh, it hadn't rained for, what, 18 months? And he said, I, uh, I hear the abundance, the sound of the abundance of rain. And he outran the chariot. And then... And then Jezebel said, I'm going to kill that, 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 uh, that prophet. And then he told the Lord, the Lord said, what are you doing up here? He said, I just want to die. That ain't true. He could just, Jezebel said she'd take care of that. So why'd he run? If he, I mean, if he really wanted to die, he could, have just, she, he could have just stayed there and she'd have killed him, right? I don't know if she would have been brave enough to kill him, but she said that, right? She said, I'm going to kill you. And he runs up on the mountain, Lord, I just want to die, you know. And I'm the only one. I'm the only one serving you. Don't you love that? Well, what did the Lord, what did the Lord say? <laughs> Actually, the Lord said, why are you here? Asked him the exact same question the second time. He asked him the exact same question twice, right? Because the first answer was wrong. And so if the Lord asks you the same question twice, and that's happened actually more than once in the scriptures, right? The Lord asks you the exact same question twice. You should think really long and hard before you answer it the second time. Because what did Elijah do? He gave the exact same answer. Lord, I'm the only one serving you. Nobody else is as spiritual as me. Uh, and, and the Lord says, uh, actually, there's 7,000. Oh, great prophet. Oh, great seer, right? Weren't they called seers? How do you misplace? That's like misplacing Dayton, right? You ever been to Dayton for, you know, uh, and, and just drive through and see nobody? I mean, literally nobody. Go to Walmart. There's nobody there. There's no, no, no cashiers, no people. Nobody, parking lot's completely empty, not a single car. I mean, you, you misplaced the entire city of Dayton. Well, that's what they did uh, with, with the great uh, prophet Elijah. Uh, and he was a great prophet, but um, uh, so that thought to me stands, it's in front of me all the time because I think, uh, how am I going to get by? How am I going to get an excuse from the Lord for this thing that I did? Now, plenty of things you do sometimes and people are unhappy with that. You know, the Lord says to go say something to somebody and you say something, they get mad at you. You ever done that? Uh, and, and if you were really honest and sincere, 
then then you still had to do that, right? If the Lord says to go do it and you do it and they don't they don't like it, that's not on you, right? Now, if you're really if the Lord really did tell you that, right? I, I know a lot of people say, "Thus said the Lord," and the Lord hadn't said. Uh, he talked about that in Jeremiah that the prophets were saying, "Thus said the Lord," and the Lord never said. Uh, but there are times when the Lord says for you to do something or say something, and, and somebody's unhappy about that. Uh, is there a problem between you and the Lord for that? No. I mean, if you do the will of God, in fact, Dr. Dufresne always said, he said, always do the will of God and leave the consequences of following his will with him. Because sometimes you'll say something to somebody, you'll read a verse, you know, I can't believe, you know, you, you know and they say, well, he's talking about me. You know, this may be a great revelation, but I'm always talking about you. Because you're here. Why would I be talking about them over there? They're not here, right? So I've got to be talking about you because you all are here. I mean, it would be silly for me to, to tell you how to help everybody out there because they're not here, right? I mean, and they're not, they're not going to listen to this service. So now, you know, I don't intentionally have a list. Okay, this person, you know, I'm going to get that one. I'm going to, you know, I don't, ha- I don't, I, I t- try my very best never to do that. But if you ever think, you know, well, why did you read that verse? Because I read that verse. That's why, right? Uh, and if it's going to be helpful to you, then that's a good thing. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and for me, I never get condemned with the word. Never. I read the word of God, even when I'm corrected and the word shows me how far I am from that word. I'm never condemned. Uh, Lord, then how are we, how are we going to fix this? But a lot of people, they, they're, uh, the, the problem is they're in the conflict of they still want to live in the world and they still want to live in the church. And, and the word convicts them and they don't like that. They want the word to accept them and the word of God will never accept sin. Uh, and so the people that are in that situation, they're always under pressure, always, always under pressure, because the pressure is, are you going to follow the flesh? Or are you going to follow the spirit? Which one are you going to follow? And the, the word of God will always uh, cause that pressure of that flesh to to rise up because that, that flesh doesn't like to be called out that it's wrong. Amen. Uh, and so so none of these things move me. So what what moves you? Right. What 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 can. What buttons do you have, right? If you got buttons, unwire them, burn them, throw them out the door. You shouldn't have any buttons. Well, I just don't like it when they talk about, you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, and they talk about, you know, that AFC. I don't, you know, I don't know what that means, right? But you know, I, you know, they they they're a Pittsburgh fan. I don't, you know. And people get fighting mad over 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 things like a football game, right? I mean, I enjoy watching football. You know, we're 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 the best we're the best fair weather fans you've ever met, right? If our team's winning, we'll watch them every week. If they start losing, we'll we know we'll go play golf or something instead, you know, we don't care, you know, a bunch of losers, right? And so, uh, but, um, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm a Ford man, I'm a Chevy man. I mean, you're talking about, talking about religious warfare, right? Just, you know, I bought me a Ford over there. <sighs> I can't believe I wouldn't buy me a Ford for nothing, you know? I, okay, fine, you know, I mean, I, I've had people tell me, uh, you know, I, I had a, I had a motorcycle one time. It was, um, it, it was, uh, um, Harley Davidson Road King, and uh, but it had a it had fuel injection, and some some of the other guys had Harleys. You know, you get that old fuel injected car. You know, carbureted. That's the way to go. Them old fuel injected are garbage. You know, them fuel. We gotta have them four barrel carburetors on these on these motorcycles. They're the only. And I'm thinking, you know, it's the 20th century, right? 21st century. You know, uh, we've moved a little ways down the line in technology, right? Uh, and so. Of course, you know, not that we ever raced or anything, but uh, they could never keep up with my fuel-injected motorcycles. So not that I uh, made a point of letting them know that their slow carbureted uh, uh, motorcycles couldn't keep up with my, my, you know, 
fuel-injected motorcycle. But anyway, I mean, I don't care. You want to have a carburetor? No problem. I mean, you know, it is not a religious issue, right? It is not a moral question. You like carbureted uh, uh, vehicles? Fine, be a dinosaur, you know, it's fine. It won't bother me a bit. If you want to be a dinosaur, it won't hurt my feelings. I won't make, you know, I'll probably make fun of you, but, you know, uh, I won't get mad about it, you know, because uh, I really could care less. The only thing I, the only thing to me that matters is the word of God. Everything else is your opinion, right? I like blue cars. Great, you know, I could care less, you know, do I like what color? You know, I would never own a white car. Okay, fine, you know, I mean, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Because that, that moves you. I mean, you know what I'm saying? None of these things move me unless it's a Ford. And then, you know, <laughs> I ain't having that, you know. Well, then you got moved because of a, of a chunk of metal. I mean, it, you know, everything in that vehicle came out of the ground. All of it at one time was dirt. Nothing in there in that car came from the spirit realm. Everything was dirt. So it, it, none of it's worthy to be worshipped, right? Uh, and so uh, I don't know if we were stepping on any toes or not. I'm not trying to step on any toes, but... Uh, but that's a great, and I love that first phrase of that verse. None of these things move me. I don't want to be moved by anything, anybody, right? I don't care what the temperature is. I, I ran sound and the thermostat for many years. You'd be amazed at how great spiritual people were moved by one degree. <laughs> we're burning up in here. I hope you're happy, you know. I mean, just talk like that to me, you know. And they would, they would never talk like that to the pastor, right? But when I was running the sound, you know, we're all freezing to death, you know. I mean, just hateful me. Like, did somebody, you know, spit in your Cheerios or something this morning? I mean, why are you so mean? Uh, I mean, just the meanest people, right? Uh, they'd come back. I hope we're, we're all deaf. We can't hear nothing now, you know. You bur- you, and and um, I told you the, the one lady, you know, she sat on the front row right in front of the speakers. And, you know, there's, what, there's like 150 chairs. You could sit anywhere. But she wanted to sit. I'm going to sit in the front row in front of the speakers. Well, where do you think it's allowed us in the whole sanctuary? On the front row, in front. So you got to turn it down. Well, if I turn it down for you, then the people who are sitting on the back row couldn't hear, right? So you know, because it was a short, not unlike this building, kind of short, you know. So you don't have enough room to really equalize that sound out there, and so you you kind of had to make some compromises. She gets so mad. She gets, I mean, just all that mad, you know. So one time she storms back to the back uh, where the there's just like there's a table back there next to the sound booth, so she stormed all the way back there, and there was a box of tissues, so she got the two tissues, and she stuck them in her ear, and then she walked back to, the, to her seat in the front of the, of the sanctuary to show me that I'm making her deaf, and she doesn't know how much I've laughed at her all these years, you know, because I still, and that's the funniest thing, you know, when I get to heaven, Lord, can you have a video of that? I'd like to show my friends, because that's the funniest thing, she's storming, a grown woman uh, with children, uh, storming back there, putting tissues, they were hanging out like, like rabbit ears, right, so they, they were like just like earplugs they were just you know because she wasn't very good at sticking the tissue in her ear and she wanted to make a point that she's going to offend me by putting tissues in her ear you know now i ran the sound for my pastor's benefit right if he told me to turn it down i'd turn it to zero if he wanted me to no i mean no problem not my sound sound system it's his uh, and if he told me to turn it down i'd no problem but he you know i'd ask him lord uh, or not lord but uh, pastor you know someone who's complaining about the sound were you, were you okay with this with the volume oh yeah it's fine okay yeah, no problem because that's you know that's all i had to know Everything else, you know, uh, but so mad because so she got moved, right? And I got moved after she put it. I, I mean, it's still it's the funniest thing ever, you know. But none of these things move me. Neither neither count I my life dear unto myself. You know, that's a good statement right there. What's the worst that could happen to you? You're gonna go to heaven. Worst thing could happen to you on earth, you go to heaven, right? Uh, neither I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course for the joy and the ministry. 
So he separated his, his natural walk with his, spirit, with, his, with his call of God upon his life. And he put his natural walk first, my course, uh, and then my ministry. Uh, and a lot of times people will, will, will focus on their ministry to the fault of their personal life. Uh, and and uh, that's you know, why a lot of these ministers that we find out you know, get caught doing these terrible, horrible things because they were only focused on their ministry life. But when they go home, they didn't work on being nicer to their spouse. They didn't work on, on, on not doing things they ought not do. And you know what I'm saying? I mean, they, weren't, they were only focused on their ministry and building their kingdom instead of focusing on, on, on their walk with God. Uh, and again, it's none of my business uh, in those things, but that's, that's a lot of what happens to ministers is instead of focusing, because if you focus on your personal life, the Lord will take care of the rest of it. Because it's his ministry. I mean, it, it's, I'm called to it, but he's the one who, who called me into it. So he's got to take care of whatever he's got to take care of. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, and so, so Paul is saying that I know some bad things are going to happen. But I've got to move forward. Right. And, and for me, I, I say all the time, I'm always moving forward because in life, People are always trying to do things to get you off your course, right? They're always trying to get you off your game, always trying to get you mad. What they're trying to do is get you off course. Stop moving forward. Now, you know, I remember years ago, I was talking to some folks that uh, a great tragedy happened in their life. Uh, and, um, and they were attending the church as many, many years ago. And um, I said, let me encourage you about something. I said, this, this is a real thing that really happened to you. I said, but you need to be careful of not building an altar right here in your life and stopping your spiritual walk right here. Because what happens when, when an event occurs in people's lives, their whole life is defined by that event. And they never move past it, right? They, they never move forward. They never grow in the Lord. They never, they never learn new things about the Lord. They just, all their life is now about that thing, right? And, and I know people that, that uh, have had tragedies growing up. You know, they have, sometimes it's sexual abuse, sometimes physical abuse or emotional abuse or some major thing happened uh, and they feel like that, that their whole life needs to be now they've got to minister to other people in that same thing. Uh, and, and, you know, that almost implies that, um, that you are unable to help somebody unless you've been through the same tragedy that they've been through. Now, that's the world's way. That's not God's way because how many tragedies did Jesus experience like that before the cross? Was he ever sick? Was he ever abused of any kind? Was he able to help everybody? He was. So any Christian can help anybody. Don't buy into the lie that you have to be in some tragic experience before you can help somebody that's also in a tragic experience. If you've got the spirit of God in you and the love of God in you, the power of God in you, there's nobody that you can't help. Anybody who thinks that, that well, you not want, you know, until you walk a, a mile in my shoes, you can't help me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I've got the power of God in me that raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. It can help anybody. And so do you, right? You've you got the spirit of God in you. Nobody you can't help. Uh, and so don't, be, don't uh, buy into it because then Jesus was unqualified to help anybody. He never had any problems in his life. Right? He overcame everything. Uh, and so, uh, so, uh, so Paul, you know, wasn't, wasn't uh, moved by any of those things, right? And so, uh, so that, that's where, uh, in, in this case, and Paul knew these things were going to happen. Didn't matter. He's moving forward. I'm moving forward. The call of God is I've got to go to Jerusalem, right? I'm going to stop by, visit my friends here at Ephesus. And, but I'm going to keep on going. And so then, then let's go over to chapter 21. 
and we're going to skip some stuff here. We're going to go down to um, uh, verse 7. It says, and we, when he had finished our course uh, from Tyre, we came to uh, uh, Ptolemaeus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. Uh, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. So Philip the Evangelist was one of the seven. One of the seven what? One of the seven deacons from where? Acts chapter 6, right? When they, when they appointed the deacons there, the, the apostles laid hands on those seven men. One was Stephen, remember he was martyred. And then Philip was one of the seven there. Uh, and then uh, that was Acts chapter 6. And, and Stephen was, was martyred in Acts chapter 7. What happened in Acts chapter 8? Anybody remember? You all got all your chapters memorized, right? It's a test, right? At the end of the day, it's going to be... Well, Acts chapter 8, remember Philip went down to the city of Samaria, right? Preached Christ unto them. Uh, and, and they uh, gave heed to him, seeing the, the, the uh, miracles and signs that he did. Uh, well, that was Philip, right? So Philip went from being a man full of wisdom, right? Which is what they called the men, the seven men in Acts chapter 6, to then being a deacon, to now he's Philip the evangelist. So we see, we see a progression that the Lord promotes, right? So he'll take somebody who's just doing the work without any title, then give them a title of deacon, which means a table waiter, right? That's what they were supposed to do. The deacons were supposed to wait on tables. And now he's Philip the Evangelist. Now he has an official title, one of the fivefold. Uh, in fact, he's the only named evangelist in the New Testament, right? We, we know in Ephesians 4.11, there's five ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? Well, he's the only named evangelist, of course, other than the Lord Jesus, but he, he was never called an evangelist directly, but we saw he did the work of the evangelist. So Philip is, an, is our example for the uh, for the evangelist. And he said, And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Well, what does the word prophesy mean? It means to speak by sudden inspiration. In fact, I've got a footnote in my, my Bible from the, whoever produced this Bible said that, that that means to preach. Women preach? You mean women preachers? Yeah, I didn't write it, you know. I mean, the New Testament wrote it, right? I don't believe in women preachers. Well, then you need to talk to Philip, right? Uh, I had, in fact, I had a fellow come by, you know, what do you, uh, do you believe in women preachers? First question he asked me, right? Uh, he's, I got a question for you because he didn't go to my church. You know, he just visited, uh, during the week and uh, I thought he's going to ask me some deep, you know, spiritual, do I, you know, believe in faith or, you know, whatever. Do I believe in women preachers? And I said, do you mean like, do they exist or not? I, you know, I knew what he meant, but, uh, uh, and I said, well, what about Deborah? You know, what about Mary? What about the, uh, Philip's four daughters, which did prophesy, right? I would never let a woman uh, prophesy over me. Well, then you would miss out on something because there's four women right here that prophesied and spoke by sudden inspiration of the Lord. And who gives them the inspiration? Well, the Lord does. Well, if the Lord's uh, going to uh, anoint somebody to prophesy, which is that's the only way you can prophesy is by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, who are you to say that's not of God? Lord, you're wrong. Well, would you submit that in writing, please? Because you need to tell the Lord that he's wrong for anointing Philip's daughters to prophesy, right? Now, that's, that, that's a different discussion there, but it's still, that's the word of God, right? And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, we, we remember earlier, Agabus was there uh, in um, Acts chapter 11. He prophesied about a, a, a famine coming, right? And so, that he, so Agabus had been with us around for, for a while. And he says, and when he come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Ghost that owneth this girdle and shall, uh, uh, and shall deliver him. Oh, I missed a line there. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle 
and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So the Holy Ghost said, the Jews at Jerusalem shall bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So was that new information to Paul? What did we read earlier in chapter, uh, in chapter 20? That uh, I don't know what is going to become of me, except I do know that, that bonds and afflictions await me. So the prophet said to him, the prophet Agabus said uh, that uh, they shall uh, bind the man that owned this girdle and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. That sounds just like bonds and afflictions, doesn't it? So that tells us one thing about the ministry of the prophet, that the ministry of the prophet uh, does not tell you new information as far as a personal prophecy goes. The, the purpose of the New Testament prophet, if he's prophesying to you, should confirm something that's already in your heart. He's not there to give you new... Now, the Old Testament prophet, because everybody was an anointed of God, could give you new information. But the New Testament prophet, because you have the Holy Ghost in you, should never say, you're going to be the first woman on the moon. Really? I don't even like going to the grocery store. But I guess, Lord, if you want me to go to the moon, I guess I'll go to the moon. Now, how many prophets have, have, uh, have misled people like that? That one day they're going down this direction and a prophet comes to town and says something. Now they're going this direction. But see, that's not the Holy Ghost, not New Testament Holy Ghost. New Testament Holy Ghost says that thing which I spoke to you earlier this week. This is a confirmation of what I've told you. Uh, uh, and uh, and it may not be that direct that he says that. he may just say something like uh, whoever owns his girl is going to be bound in Jerusalem and, and, and uh, handed over to the Gentiles. Well, Paul already knew that. Didn't he already know that? We know that he knows that because, you know, in fact, we're going to find out another reason why he knew that in a minute here. So just be really careful. I've seen the, 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 ministry, the prophet's ministry really mess up a lot of people because, uh, and, it, and it's not always just the prophet's ministry, it's just the ministry gifts that will prophesy over people and will say things to people that was never in their heart to do. I know one person uh, was talking to me and Chris and they said, uh, a prophet told me I'm, I'm supposed to travel to the nations and do all this work around the globe. And they said, I don't even like leaving my house. Now, see, that'd be really hard for me to believe that, that God would, because uh, would, like for me, I'm a pastor teacher, right? That's my role in the body of Christ. I came out of the womb that way. I've been a teacher since the first breath on the earth, right? I mean, always been that way. And, and you know, it was years later before I knew that that's what I was called to do, but but I was that way before I was called to do that. Uh, and the Lord put in you before the foundation of the world who you are and what you're called to do. And that will come out. You know, how, how many evangelists are selling used cars, right? How, how many uh, apostles are great politicians? That may be pretty few. But, you know, the, you know in theory, though, the leaders, right? Leaders of companies, CEOs. Uh, weren't, weren't they called to be apostles of the Lamb? Right? Not apostles of the Lamb, but apostles... Of the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, I don't know, but I suspect that there's plenty of them, right? Uh, and so, because uh, that's who they're called to be. So, be careful that a prophet comes and, you know, you, uh, I can't tell you how many times people have said, the Lord showed me this about you. And I'm like, hey, I ain't doing that. No way I'm doing that. I don't, I wouldn't want to do that for nothing. Uh, it ought to be interesting to me at all to do something like that. Uh, but thus saith the Lord, nope. Ain't going to happen, right? Brother Hagin said, you know, of course, Brother Hagin, when he traveled, he'd be in, I mean, dozens or, you know, 
uh, I doubt hundreds, but many, many cities every year. He said, every city I go to, every city, without exception, somebody has a word of the Lord for me. He said, without exception, all of them are wrong. Every single one of them. Why? Because uh, he's got the Holy Ghost in him, right? And usually the Holy Ghost will, will tell you things to confirm things to help your faith, right? If you already are settled in your heart, that's what you're going to do. You don't really need a confirmation for that, right? But sometimes it's helpful to have a confirmation. Nothing wrong with that, right? The Lord's kind and merciful towards us to do that on our behalf. But, uh, you know, if you already know the path you're going on, you know, what do you need to thus say the Lord for, right? Uh, well, they always get prophesied over. Well, it's probably because they're backslid or something. I don't know, but, you know, I don't really know. But, but um, the Lord, you know, he can prophesy to whoever he wants to. And not, not, my, not my business, but here, the prophet prophesied to Paul. Now, did he tell Paul what to do? Was there any, was there any conflict about what Paul was to do? I mean, he didn't even tell Paul what to do. He just said, this is what's going to happen, right? The man owns his girl, uh, bonds and afflictions await you, right? Uh, and so, uh, but then, then we get to the, to the difficult verse. If you go back up, same chapter. Um, let's go to, to verse 1 here. Um, well, we'll start in verse uh, uh, verse three. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unlade her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the spirit that he should not go to Jerusalem. And when he had accomplished those days, he departed and went our uh, we departed and went our way. So now uh, here here's in uh, this verse uh, kind of bugs me a little bit because. Chapter 20, Paul said, I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Ghost has witnessed to me in every city that bonds and afflictions await me. Everywhere I go, bonds and So what were they doing? They were confirming. Now, sometimes it's helpful to be confirmed. If you know you've got a hard task ahead of you, the Lord oftentimes will confirm it. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, you don't want to make a mistake and, and, and go get into bonds and afflictions by accident, right? Uh, so, so every city Paul had been to up to now had already confirmed that that's what's going to happen. They never told them, don't go. They just said, this is what's going to happen. Uh, you skip this story, you go down to Agabus, the prophet, right? An, actually, an actual prophet prophesied, this is what's going to happen. No, no word of, of wisdom about what to do. Uh, this is just a word of wisdom that is what's going to happen, right? So, but then we get to disciples. They're not ministry gifts, which is fine, right? The Lord can prophesy through anybody. But they say, don't go to Jerusalem, right? They said through the spirit that they should not go to, up to Jerusalem. So now to me, when you when you put all this together, there's a conflict somewhere, right? Somebody is missing something somewhere, right? Uh, and, and so some people believe that because of verse four, that Paul was out of the will of God going to Jerusalem. But chapter 20, the Holy Spirit never said, don't go. Chapter 21, but the prophet never said, don't go. But then verse three and four, chapter 21, don't go. Right now, it's the same information that uh, they said that uh, that he should not go to Jerusalem because apparently what they what they knew was going to happen. Right. So. Uh, but here, here's the issue. Um, was was the was the New Testament translated uh, or written in the King James language? It wasn't written in the King James language. Right. So what was it written in? It's written in Greek. Right. So it was written in Greek. And I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, but. Uh, how you write something, you know, can 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 uh, change depending on on how you interpret those words. Right. And so uh, so I but I happen to have 
a library of, you know, 250 translations or so. So I just started reading all the translations, right? See, well, here's, uh, and, you know, some translations are better than others, right? But, you know, if you look at the whole scope of things, you kind of get a feel for, you know, what's the general thought? Because you get some verses, I mean, 99% of the verses translated exactly the same, right? So basically, that's the way to translate that verse. But then you get some verses that you find a great spectrum over how they translated a verse. And what that tells you is that the Greek or the Hebrew of that original verse is kind of difficult to translate, especially in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament Hebrew. The Hebrew language was only used by one nation. So, you know, the Greek language was used by dozens of nations all over the earth. So they had a lot of, lot of information they could pull from to see how is this word used, right? But Hebrew was actually really difficult because there's words... But they, had, they don't really know what that word means. It's just a word, and they just, well, it's a bird. But it could have been a giraffe, for all they know. They don't really know what it was, because it's just a word. It's an animal of some kind, but they don't know if it's four-legged, six-legged, or, or swimming, or flying, or, you know, and so, uh, and it may be the only time it's used. So there's a lot of uh, Old Testament words that are translated into some English word. That, oh, yeah, that's what it says. Ask any Hebrew scholar and be like, eh, we just threw a dart, you know, and decided what that is. Uh, and there's other things they can use to determine those words to the best of their ability. Uh, so if you go through there and read, uh, so what you find here is that there seems to be a, a, a different thought about what this verse is really saying. So I want to read some other translations of this, and then you can make your own conclusion here. Because I think these other translations bring out what fits best with the whole counsel of God, right? So we're not trying to, we don't have an answer. We're trying to come up with, the, with the, what it means first. Uh, it, we just have a question, and we're, we're reviewing to see what the, the body of knowledge is related to this verse. Uh, so one translation says, In Tyre we found some students of Jesus and we stayed with them for seven days. They warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem because of what the Holy Spirit had told them. So that tells them that the Holy Spirit told them something, right? I, so I believe the Holy Spirit did tell them something. And what did the Holy Spirit tell them? The Holy Spirit probably told him, told him just like he told him, remember Paul said in every city, probably told him there in Tyre, the same thing that the Holy Spirit told the other people in all the other cities that Paul is going to experience bonds and afflictions. Uh, but if you read it the way this person translated it what, it, what it implies is the Holy Spirit said something and they made a decision of, well, then, Paul, you shouldn't go. Uh, and, and that is very common, right, where people will hear the Holy Spirit say something and come to a conclusion. And there was no conclusion that was ever meant to remember the, the prophet came to no conclusion about Paul, what Paul should do. The prophet just said, here's what's going to happen, right? And he was an experienced prophet. We know he's been around for many years. Uh, and so uh, another translation, um, it says, we went and found the disciples and stayed there a week, and they warned uh, by the Spirit, and they, warned by the Spirit, urged Paul to abandon his visit to Jerusalem. Again, what were they warned by the Spirit of? That Paul would experience bonds and afflictions, Right? And so who came to the conclusion that Paul should abandon his visit? Well, that translation implies that they did, right? The, it doesn't say that the Spirit told them to tell Paul to abandon his, uh, his visit. Uh, one translation says, And finding up the disciples, we remained there seven days, and they unto Paul began to say through the Spirit that he would gain no footing in Jerusalem. Uh, well, okay, so should you go or not go? That's up to Paul, right? Or really up to the will of God in that case. Uh, one translation says, someone told us where the believers entire lived, so we went and stayed with them for seven days because God's Spirit revealed to them that people would cause Paul to suffer or that Paul would suffer in Jerusalem 
they told Paul that he should not go there. So again, the Spirit told them that Paul would suffer, and then they told Paul, don't go. Uh, one translation says, Having searched for the disciples and found them, we stayed at Tyre for seven days and taught by the Spirit. They repeatedly urged Paul not to proceed to Jerusalem. So they were taught by the Spirit, and then they urged Paul not to go. And finally, the last translation says, So we looked up the disciples there and stayed a week with them because of impressions made by the Spirit. They kept on warning Paul not to set foot in Jerusalem. So the impression I get, and this is, you know, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, and some of these are well-known, what I consider very good translations. I think these translations really bring out the aspect of what was going on in in verse 3 and 4, that that they heard something by the Spirit, which is very common, right? Uh, And then they, they extrapolated from that, well, then here's what Paul should do. But there was never a thus saith the Lord of what Paul should do. There was just a thus saith the Lord of what was going to happen. And then they added to that, which is very common. I find that happen all the time. People, and I've done that myself. Many times I've done that myself. Well, not many times, but, but I know I've done that myself where the Spirit of God says something and I'll add to it and, and you know, uh, uh, infer that he was saying something that he never said, right? Uh, and I, in fact, I'll give you, we've got time for just, I'll give you one example. Uh, many years ago, um, when I was in the conflict with, with my pastor, you know, it was just conflict all the time, right? In fact, Chris said, I just wish you guys would get together and fight it out. You know, just, just fight it out. Just get it over with, right? Uh, but, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the right thing to do. But, you know, she just wanted something to change, right, uh, is really what she wanted. And she wanted to get better. Well, we were in agreement about that. I wanted to get better. But I was unwilling to, I was unwilling to do what they thought was necessary, which was really to worship a man. Right. I, I was unwilling to worship anybody except the Lord Jesus. Right. And that caused conflict. Right. Now, they, they wouldn't put it in those terms, but that was really the issue. Right. Uh, and so. So. Uh, so I was talking to the Lord about it one time. I said, Lord. Uh, have you spoken to my pastor to to get him to walk in love with me? Because I would go and say, you know, hey, can we work this out? No problem. There's no problems between us. I'm like, All right. Man, that's great. And one time in particular, I did that in, on a Wednesday at lunchtime. That evening at, in, in church, from the pulpit, he stood up and said something to the effect that Chip Bowley is trying to take over this ministry. But just a couple hours later, he said, we're fine, right? No problems. But now he's telling from the pulpit that, that I'm trying to take over the church. Well, what happened to the, can I go back to lunchtime? Because that that's, the, that's the way I want, right? No problems, but now I'm being accused of trying to take over the church, right? Uh, and so, I said, Lord, you know... Uh, you know, have you, have you ever spoken to him about walking in love with me? And, and, and the Lord said, no. And that's all he said, right? Just no. And I thought, wow, I can't even get the Lord to help me. And that's kind of what I thought. I thought, you know, I must have done something wrong that I can't even get the Lord to help me. Now, see, what did the Lord say? He just said, no. That's all he said, really. It was all just no. Now, yeah, I've learned since then that when he says something, I ask more questions, right? Instead of just going, oh, poor pitiful me. Can't even get the Lord to help me, right? I mean, that's just foolishness now, right? But back then, that, I didn't know any better. If the Lord said no, then I, I guess the answer is no, right? And so now years later, I mean, he went home with the Lord. Uh, and, and, you know, other conflict happened, you know, different things. And, and we finally ended up leaving the church, you know, uh, by the direction of Holy Spirit. And so I'm talking to the Lord now, years later, right? I said, Lord... Why didn't you uh, tell my pastor to walk in love with me? Because I know he loved you. I know he knew the word. I know he knew the spirit. You know, I knew if you told him, he'd have done it, right? And you know what the Lord said? 
He said, I already spoken my word to walk in love. He said, I'm not required to repeat myself. Has the Lord spoken to walk in love? If you choose to, walk in, to not walk in love, is he required to tell you to walk in love? No, because why? He already told you in his word to walk in love. Now, that's a good answer. That's a way better answer than, wow, he must not like me, right? I must not be his favorite child. I mean, why he won't even help me. Because that's what I thought. So I added, you know, just nobody knew about it, right? This is between me and the Lord. But I added to what the Lord said. I, I implied or inferred what the Lord said this, that he meant that he doesn't want to help me. But he was trying to help my pastor that, you know, because my pastor was of the opinion that if the Lord didn't speak, he's not obligated to do it. And the Lord's opinion was, I've already spoken. I'm not obligated to repeat myself. And so there was a kind of a Mexican standoff right there, right? He wanted the Lord to thus say, the Lord walk in love. And the Lord's like, I am the Lord. I've already spoken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know all about that. Where were you 10 years ago or 15 years ago when I needed that information, Miss Lois? You know, so I could have used that information a long time ago. So thanks for nothing. Um, but um, but so I assumed, right, I made the assumption that the Lord, and the impression I got from reading these different translations, because all those different translations are really saying the exact same thing. The Spirit of God spoke to them what was going to happen they kind of added to it and say, well, then because these are going to happen, Paul, you shouldn't go. Uh, and uh, and that should be a warning to all of us that, you know, sometimes the spirit of God will speak to us for somebody. Don't add to it. If the Lord says, hey, tell them that, you know, tomorrow's going to be a bad day. Don't tell them don't go into work. Because that, that, that may not be the will of God. Because there have been times when the Lord told me, you, they're, they're setting a trap for you. I want you to go anyway. Now, I don't want to, I've, and I told the Lord, I don't want to go. He goes, I need you to go. And I went, you know, I mean, I was, uh, I was obedient. I didn't want to go, right? I, I, I wanted to go after he told me to, you know. Uh, he didn't say, or else, right? I mean, you don't ever want to get an or else from the Lord. But, but, um, but there have been times when the Lord told me, if you go, it's going to be a difficult situation. But you've got to go. And so uh, just be careful. So, so I, I believe if you put those together and look at these other, that, that's really what they're saying. That, that the Spirit of God did say that to these people. And they kind of added, well, they, well, then you shouldn't go, Paul. Be careful about telling people what you think uh, should happen. If the Lord speaks, you know, just if all he says is no, then that's all you got. Don't add anything to that, right? Because that's all the Lord's. Now, if I had asked him, I think he would have told me. He may have told me. You know, he told me after my pastor went home to be with the Lord. Uh, he didn't tell me, but uh, I, he probably would have. I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't have. He said, you know, no's enough, right? Uh, and so, but I did find out later why he never did tell him that, right? And it had nothing to do with how poor pitiful I was, right? And how the Lord didn't love me, didn't want to help me out. Uh, the Lord was actually trying to help him out, right? Uh, uh, and the Lord will answer to nobody. Lord, if you don't tell me to, to, to stop doing that, I ain't, I ain't, I'm going to keep on doing it. The Lord then will see you soon, right? Because uh, he doesn't answer to anybody, right? And he's not going to have his hand forced. Well, Lord, unless you speak supernatural to me, I ain't doing that. Don't make the Lord force his hand, you know. Um, and so uh, it's like that thing we, you saw on Facebook, right? That uh, uh, someone was in a parking spot. Oh, yeah. Was it? They were in a parking spot and, and uh, yeah, somebody honked for them to hurry up and get out of their pocket, 
uh, parking spot. Did you see that? Did you guys see that? Uh, and they said, so now I have to stay here till we're both dead. <laughs> so they're going to just, you know, they're going to wait it. I mean, if they have to die and that's parking, you know, they're never going to move, right? They're going to force their hand, right? And that's what some people do, right? They'll just, Lord, unless you say, you know, I mean, I'll just, you know, they'll, they'll stick to their guns, right? Uh, so anyway, uh, be careful, right? Uh, and so don't make any assumptions and don't add to what the Lord said, right? And I think, I think these translators already really got the best flavor of what the, what the original language is trying to say because it fits in with the rest of the council of God. It fits in with all the other cities, fits in with the prophet, fits in with what Paul was told. It fits everywhere, right? So that's what you want is to fit everywhere, not just one place that makes you happy, right? Uh, and so, and that's how we study the word, right? Uh, and so, because you couldn't really look up definitions of this, you know, you can't do a, a word by word uh, study to get that. You got to look at the translations to get the best flavor for that. So, all right, oh, praise God. I know we went a little late, but uh, we, we really wanted to get through that tonight. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you for your blessings and kindness and mercy towards us. And Father, we know that sometimes there are difficult things that you need us to go through, Father, to walk through, not for, to punish us, uh, Father, but because there's work that has to get done. People have to hear the gospel. People have to hear the message of the word. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you that uh, through all of those things, you'll be with us. And you said many of the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver us out of them all. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, hopefully that, that'll help, you know, because like I said, some people do believe that Paul was out of the will of God by going to Jerusalem. And I don't believe he was out of the will of God at all. I think that was the plan. You've got to go to Jerusalem because then you've got to go to Rome and you've got to stand before Caesar and, and say these things. Now, and, um, you know, I believe Paul at some point talked to either Caesar directly or talked to some definitely some higher ups about about the Lord Jesus. And they all got to hear the gospel. Amen. And even if they didn't hear about the gospel directly from Paul, they knew about it because Paul was well known in Rome. Right. Everybody knew him in Rome. And he'd been in Rome for many years, right? And, and he's the great apostle. And, and I mean, uh, he was happy all the time, right? Full of joy, rejoice evermore. Uh, and it, it, something's wrong with this man. He's happy being chained to a, a Roman soldier, right? Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And um, I don't think we've got, uh, let's see, what's today? Today is the 12th, right? So, oh, this, so Friday. Miss Nancy's got a birthday, right? Happy almost birthday, Miss Nancy, right? So yeah, well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And be praying for all the college students. They're back in school now, right? Um, and um, got lots and lots of work to do. So I know the, the uh, kids in uh, uh, school are back in school now, been in school now for a few weeks, but the college students are just back in school this week. So uh, be praying for them there. And... Um, I think that's it. Anything else? Ladies Fellowship, Saturday, 11 o'clock, right? Here at the church, bring what? Finger foods and yourself, right? Uh, and so, all right. Well, have a blessed week. We'll see you on Sunday, right?